As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Another week closer to the season and another week closer to Erling Haaland in a blue shirt with the excitement already growing about that transfer. The good news is that because of the World Cup, it's an early start to the 22-23 season. But the bad news is that we're still five and a bit weeks away from the Community Shield. So let's fill in that gap with a podcast. This is Why Always Us. It's your Manchester City show from The Athletic. I'm David Mooney. Sam Lee is here. Hello. And Paul Bias is here as well. Hello. How are you? Not too bad, thanks. Paul, Sam, you well? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All good. Sun shining. No good. football. What more yeah. to ask for? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, but still work to do on the inside. That's the uh, that's, yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah. the key, isn't it? Uh, you can read everything on City and more in the Athletic right now for one pound a month for six months. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash Man City Pod and sign up. You'll get these podcasts without the ads as well. So just sign up at theathletic.com forward slash Man City Pod. Um, I want to start with a quick kind of uh, rundown of the of the latest lines on the transfers. Um, so let's start with uh, Mark Kukurea from uh, Brighton, Paul. Um, what's what's the latest on that? So yeah, basically the latest is that uh, as far as we know, Man City is going to start making contacts with Brighton. Um, Pep wants Kukurea, Chiki wants Kukurea, City wants Kukurea. They want a natural left back. Um, but it's not going to be kind of an easy path because Brighton, of course, they just signed him last summer. Um, they are expecting a tough negotiations. But... Um, let's see what happens, because for what I got from City's camp, from Kukurella's camp, they are confident that the deal can be struck. Um, Kukurella wants to go to City. Uh, all the parts know that probably Chelsea is going to get into the mix with Marcos Alonso leaving Chelsea, probably. But Kukurella wants to play at City, wants to play under Pep Guardiola. So that's a big step, I guess. Um, and yeah, let's see where it all ends up. But it's not going to be something that is going to be done uh, just just the very next day because I think that it's going to be a kind of a tough negotiation path. Yeah, there's uh, there's a lot of time in there. It feels really weird because they've signed Haaland already. It feels like the transfer window's well underway, but actually it's only been open for a few days and uh, and there's still a yeah. long way to go. Um, Sam, we were talking about left-backs a lot in, well, over the last two years or so. <laughs> um, Zinchenko and Ake have both been told they can go if the right offers come, haven't they? That's That, that was the situation at the end of last season. Uh I want to get to the bottom of this with Ake. Um, but I think basically the situation there is the same as, you know, applies to anyone. Like if, if you're not yeah. happy with your football, because two years down the line, you know, when he was signed, it was, okay, well, he's going to be fourth choice, but it was going into the pandemic season. There'll be loads of injuries. There'll be loads of COVID breaks. He'll play plenty of football, but he hasn't played loads, has he? Um, and at the end of the season, I'm not even convinced he was that injured, you know, in the last couple of games. I may be wrong. I may be wrong. Q-us, Q-us. Q-us. Yeah. Oh, okay. There we go. Um, So there we go. Um, But yeah, so he hasn't played a lot over the last two years. And it's to the point where, well, okay, if you do want to go somewhere else, then absolutely fine. Um, But I mean, he had, I know he had no intention of going in in January. There was the, you know, the usual links to AC Milan. Um, You know, that's just people just picking names out of thin air. Um, I think this time, you know, there's obviously going to be, there will be interest. And if he does, well, if he, if he does want to go or slash is tempted, then, you know, City won't stand in his way, which, you know, that's not, 
I'm not saying it's not news, but you know, we know that's the that's the, the situation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, but I mean, he loves he's, he has loved being at City. Loves loves working with Guardiola. Like this year, he felt like he'd he'd really come on and finally and finally got to grips with it because we have this conversation every week about Grealish and we have this conversation every week about basically every other player who's come in. But because he didn't play so much anyway in the first season and not so much in the second season anyway, even though when he did play in the second half of the season, I'd say he was really good and I think most people agree with that. He has gone through that same kind of need a year to settle in because it's a different type of defending. You know, he was defending deep with Bournemouth, more defending than, than playing out you know, you, you're under the cosh a lot in a team like that and all of a sudden you're not doing much defending. You've got to be better on the ball. You're 40 yards higher up the pitch and that took a while to adapt to. So he's adapted to that. I think he's one of those players. I mean, I'd, I don't know what the actual competition would be like because I'd imagine Ruben Diaz wins it, but apparently one of those players just like extra training in the morning, you know, one of the first ones in, that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, it, as, as of January, he was just like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm fine here. Um, but obviously in the summer, it's always an interesting time to kind of Take reassess stock, the options, yeah. isn't it? Um, and with Zinchenko, I think, you know, Zinchenko is actually like, okay, let, let's go now. Let, let's go and get more regular football elsewhere. Because obviously in the past, we've talked about this a lot, but he's had offers and like basically Cheeky was saying, look, can you just go? Like Everything's sorted. Like we've got a new, we've got a fee agreed and everything. Will you just go? And he was like, no, I'm staying here. And that was when he was like really on the outside to get in. Um and even last, no, when was it? It was when this summer they signed Diaz, they were considering selling him. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. like, just keep this guy. Just keep this guy. Like, keep this guy in the squad. But obviously it's got to the stage now where if he does want to go, then I'm not going to say start keeping players against against their will. But my my feelings on Zinchenko are clear. Like, if it, like as long as physically possible, he should be staying at City. Yeah. Paul, there's uh, the other arrivals, uh, potentially. The, the other big one is Calvin Phillips from Leeds. Um, has there been any movement on that? Uh, as far as... As I know, again, um, there's no like big advance on that. Um, basically, because City, before completing any new signing, they need to sell. They need to offload some players. There's this kind of thing that Chick is kind of like advancing some work, like doing like so, some some more stuff in terms of like agreeing fees and just uh, making clear what City is expected to pay like in every deal. But in terms of completing it. It's not going to happen unless it sells some players. So I guess that the departure list is kind of more important now in terms of like, um, yeah, just closing new signings. But yeah, um, of course, we know that Kukurella and Philip are the two names on the, on the top of the list. Um, then we'll see who leaves that, that, that club. Yeah. yeah, and just in terms of cheeky, like agreeing on the, the, the parameters and stuff, like, yeah. I think with Phillips, the feeling I get is that basically everything's in place with that. It's yeah. just a, it's just a, a question of kind of getting over the line, and as we know with Grealish, obviously Grealish was slightly different because there was a release clause. Everyone knows now, but that was the whole reason there was those such big controversy last summer was because people were talking about it being sorted like before the Euros had even started, and then obviously it got completed in August. But it was all in place. I, I kind of get the feeling that that's it with Phillips. Like there's no really any other options. Like Phillips is expected to come. I think Leeds are, are ready. For for him to go and you know we're looking at replacement city you're obviously kind of planning for him to come but it's all just a question of executing it and these things take time and as paul says you know city want to get players out first because i don't know i guess after last summer when so many players could have gone you can't just rely on players going and balancing the books you know because they've already bought two players i'm not saying it's for mega money the kind of harland and alvarez combined but i don't think they want to start going okay 150 million spent whatever before yeah. bringing back something you know 40 yeah. 50 and obviously with where we may be going next with sterling as well then i guess that comes into the equation well i was going to say sam actually like we we talked in in great detail about jesus to arsenal earlier in the uh earlier in the year we've talked at, at you know at fairly great length in the past about bernardo potentially leaving and and kind of the, the the feeling that you know we don't really want him to go and we'd rather he stay around but actually if he wants to leave then you know it's a problem that city could solve um sterling to chelsea seems like a re- like that would be i i think that's insane i genuinely think that's insane because i think he he would seriously strengthen a rival of cities. 
Yeah, yeah, it's funny because it was a bit like we were talking last week about everyone kind of getting anxious about the Haaland announcement. But, you know, from our point of view, you kind of, you know what's going on. You know, it's all sorted and it's just a matter of time. So, like, there was no kind of t- t- like twitchiness or it, like, it was just funny to see people go, oh, what's going on? What's going on? Oh, what's the delay? What's the delay? Because it's going to happen. And it's a bit like that with Sterling. Like, you saying it, it's like madness and hard to comprehend. It's, it's kind of like I've been so open to the possibility of Sterling going for, like, more than a year. And I can't remember exactly what made me think it was Chelsea, but I can't say I had any kind of info that it was going to be Chelsea. But I always had a hunch for like a month or so that basically that would be the best option because I don't think he's going to a top club in Spain. I don't think, you know, Bayern's not an option. PSG, I don't think that's an option. What else is there? Juve, I don't know about Juve, but I'm guessing it's not an option. And then in the, in, in England... We know, like David Ornstein did that story that he wants to go to an elite club, and that apparently ruled out um, Tottenham and Arsenal. And that leaves Chelsea, and it leaves Liverpool. And I think he would go to Liverpool. You know, from what I hear, he would go to Liverpool, but that's not an option. So it's, it, it only is Chelsea. And then, obviously, um, part of Paul's career story at the weekend was that you know City were expecting something from Chelsea, and then you know on Sunday, it, it, it's kind of come out. Um, but yeah, so I, so on that one hand, I've been looking at it for so long, thinking, well, Sterling wants to go here it wouldn't be surprised at all if he did um and on the other hand you've now got the situation where it's like actually he could just go to Chelsea and they and, you know they are one of the one of the arrivals to City and I don't expect them to be challenging City and Liverpool next season unless City and Liverpool drop off um but if you're talking about somebody you could make a difference to a rival then Sterling would be one of them. Yeah. And it's a weird one. I mean, look, there'll be another day to talk about what his legacy would be because, you know, we're, we're far from certain that he is going to go. But it's a weird one because I think a lot of City fans, I basically, I think if, if City were, if the story was that City were going to sell Raheem Sterling abroad, first of all, fine, but even to Chelsea, but then they were going to bring in someone like Nkunku or something, or just they were going to replace him with Rafael Leal. I think people would be like, okay, we can trade up. But the idea that he would go and not be replaced, I think has spooked a lot of people who generally wouldn't mind if Sterling left because, you know, I know loads of people who got frustrated with him over the last, like, two, three seasons for being inconsistent. So yeah. it's a really it's a really interesting one. I was going to say, Paul, he's been in and out of the side and the, the whole problem with the contract is that, you know, he, he wants guarantees that he's going to be in the side. And I mean, first off, Guardiola won't give that sort of that that, that sort of um, guarantee anyway. But second off, yeah. when, the, when the crunch time has come in the last couple of seasons, he hasn't been in the team, has he? Yeah, um, I think it's not a new a scenario that the Sterling could leave and probably no potential replacement could come because at the end of last summer he was offered to Barcelona and he decided not to go um, and probably he wasn't expected with a, with a re- replacement back there. Um, in January it was kind of the same when Barcelona executives like in kind of an off the record gathering they admitted that they were talking about uh, signing a Sterling and City wasn't planning on a, on a new backup player. Um, so I think that uh, Sterling has been in that position for quite a bit of time now. Um, as you were saying, you can feel that in the crunch time of the last two seasons, probably, he has not been there. He was there on the Champions League final, but, but he did not have a great game in there. Um, I think that it's been proved that probably Pep has lost a bit of confidence on him. Um, so it kind of, in that shake-up that we have mentioned a lot on, on, on those talks, and, and in this podcast, I think that Sterling could be a part of it. Um, the thing that he's going to Chelsea probably makes it more more painful. But if you think about it, this is what Sam was saying now. There's probably no other option because no no Italian team can afford it. No no Spanish teams can can afford it. Um, P- PSG is probably not 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 going to sign him. So they're just like Premier League teams. And if that's the only way, and you want to offload him just to try to change it to a new era. So this is what it is. So let's see what happens. But I think that I fear that is like the only way that he has to go from City. Yeah, I think the I think not playing against Real Madrid, I don't want to say the final straw because he might, he probably, you know, made his mind up, but not playing against Real Madrid yeah. in either leg starting was was the kind so, of, that, that was like, played, okay. On the extra time, right? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but not I'm being picked to start yeah, that yeah. game. Yeah, like oh, yeah, those yeah, big yeah, games. Yeah. Those are the ones he wanted. So uh, yeah. there was obviously a story, wasn't there, in January that he's going to sign a new contract, and that was when he got Player of the Month for December, and he was back in the team and playing really well. And it looked, you know, just purely going by the media things. You're like, okay, something's changed. But like I said, I remember we did a podcast on it. I think it was in an international break. I wrote an article on it, and the situation was he was thinking, well, it's it's around Christmas. There's injuries and there's COVID. Let's see how how I am at the end of the season. Let's see if I'm playing in the big games that really matter. And ultimately, he wasn't. So he wasn't thinking about signing a new contract then. And then, like I say, if it wasn't the final straw, the Madrid games, then it was, you know, a, a kind of significant thing that made, made it like, okay, yeah, let, let's let's look for other things. So, yeah, like I say, from my point of view, it's not a surprise. But, I mean, the fact, Sterling to Chelsea should be like a massive transfer. Like That, that should yeah. be like one of the biggest transfers of the summer. It's absolutely crazy. But I think, it'd be, I think it would be a good move for him. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. To do this bit of the podcast, because um, we're, we're going to talk a bit about Haaland again now, um, I'd like to introduce Jim, who runs the Twitter account Man City Tactics. Hi, Jim. All right, lads. I uh, I just realised I got your at name wrong as well. You're actually uh, City underscore Tactics, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, the vital underscore. Don't yeah, there we it. go. Uh, so, Jim, um, we just talked for you know nearly 15 minutes about uh, the change in shape of the squad. Uh, didn't even mention that Alvarez is is coming in in all of that as well. Um, how, how do you think it, it it kind of all points to next season? Because obviously now they've got the centre forward in Haaland, they've got that number nine figure. They you know the the front line could look very different if both Jesus and Sterling do complete transfers away this summer. It's, it, it should be interesting, shouldn't it? Yeah, it's really interesting. Those two going as well. That's that feeds into everything. I think like they're, they're your runners. So, is is that being replaced by Haaland? Yeah, potentially. But will it be a change of shape? I think they might be. So, I think it's interesting to start with where we've been for the last couple of years and how we slowed right down. Just like exerting control has been the main thing. So, playing with a false nine, playing with wide wingers, stringing five across the top uh, when we when we've got settled possession. And playing like high in the the opponent's half, and what that creates is the control, but it also creates an issue with the ball over the top. You could you could get done by that, but we've had, we've used Walker as like our insurance policy there, so that's sort of like where we're coming from. And I think, but in recent months, there's been a bit of a change in that. So when De Bruyne got back in the team, especially for like the big matches, we're almost playing a double pivot with. Rodri and either yeah. Bernardo or Gundogan. And De Bruyne is playing high, basically. So it's you could call it a 4-2-3-1. You could call it a 4-2-4, whatever. But basically, De Bruyne waits off like upfield for transition opportunities, which we've not seen much before the last few months. But if you remember back to like the Brighton game, Liverpool, Real Madrid and stuff, there's loads of times where De Bruyne is getting the ball, running with it, and we're creating chances. Completely different to how we've played in the previous couple of years, really. Yeah, and it's because we're not really playing two eights. We're playing the Bruyne high, and we're playing this double pivot. And I think that is sort of the direction of travel. I think that makes sense for Haaland coming in as well. So the role next to Rodri, I think, is really important. Like when Bernardo plays that, he plays it as a really energetic figure who's technically sound as well. And I think when Gundogan plays that role, we slightly lose, we lose that energy, basically. The Atletico Madrid game, uh, the second leg was a good example of we started to get overrun and it was like that second half and there was just no legs in that midfield. So I think the signing of Phillips or the potential signing of Phillips, yeah, it's a six. It's, a, it's cover for Rodri if we play two eights. But I think more importantly, 
he's a great double pivot guy because he's got the energy, he's got the technique, and I think you need that for for that role. And I think that's the first piece of like, right? If we sign him, he'll be used there. He won't be used as an eight. I don't think. I don't yeah. think he's got. I don't think he's got that in his game. I think he'll be used as the backup six and the uh, double pivot guy. Yeah, it's it's interesting that Sam we we talked in the past about the kind of eras of Guardiola teams at City and and kind of how it's changed down the years. Um, it does it does feel like this summer is like is one of those transitions, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Uh, the, it, it's the Sterling, it's the Sterling going that makes the biggest difference, I think, or at least in terms of how we perceive it, because it, when the Sterling stuff came out on Sunday. I, and I think I've said this before, you know, in terms of Sterling and Jesus going, like I said it on this podcast, like they are your kind of dynamic wingers. Um, but okay, like it's not going to, I'm not saying it's going to be a disaster because we've, we've talked about Sterling not playing in so many games or starting so many games. So he's not, he's not been as integral as he, as he was in previous years. And obviously Jesus, that mad stat didn't play between like the end of December, didn't start a Premier League game in the end of between the end of December and that Liverpool game. So yeah. his situation is not like you could say either of them are integral, but just yeah, like Jim says, you're kind of losing that that dynamism there. Do you get it with Haaland? Possibly. So I'm not saying it's a disaster by any means, but it's that the idea of Sterling going and losing that pace and what he can offer all of a sudden makes you think everything is going to look very different next season and yet it goes back to I don't know if it goes back to Guardiola saying before the Champions League final last year when he was doing that interview with Rio Ferdinand and he was like how many Premier League titles do you win and I think Ferdinand said what six and he was like and how often was the team the same from one year to the next he was like you have to move you have to shake and obviously they were expecting that at least last season last summer with all the players who could have gone um, and it didn't happen and obviously we're bringing Kane in didn't happen so they carried on as normal and they did really well obviously in the in the Premier League in particular but you know getting so close to the final and the Champions League and all that, so fine. But yeah, now it's like, okay, this is going to look very different. Like I say, I think they should keep Sinchenko, but I obviously understand that if he wants to go and there's an offer, then you let it happen. Um, I mean, we haven't even talked about Bernardo Silva in all of this. <laughs> I mean, Paul, do you want to give a little summary yeah. of that so I'm not talking for so long? Yeah, yeah, no, no. Uh, we, we can go for it. Uh, so my, my feeling, and, and that's pure opinion from mine, um, is that Bernardo will stay. That's just my personal feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, it, there, it's, it's nothing new that Bernardo wants, would like to live in Spain, would like to play in Spain. Um, we know that he struggled during the pandemic in Manchester for the life that he had to, that he had to have. Um, but if the club that has to sign him is Barcelona, they, they just don't have the resources to do it. They, they just don't have it. They just don't have the money. A lot of things would need to happen. Plus, Barcelona is a club right now that is trying to renegotiate some salaries with some squad players. How can you afford to tell to your own players, please just cut your wages, um, but then splash like 90 million euros on Bernardo Silva? I mean, I think that if Barcelona is the option, it's not going to happen. Uh, it seems so unlikely for, from the point of view. But yeah, no, I mean, there's there's nothing new in like Bernardo wanting to go to 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 Spain. But what I know as well is that Bernardo is not going to do anything wrong with Man City. He's happy with the club. He has no, no, nothing against the club, and he doesn't want to push for a bad exit. He's, if he cannot go, he's going to stay, and he's going to stay happily, as he did last season. Um, that it didn't uh, go like quite badly. Um, th- th- there's also two points that I would like to raise to Jim, um, more from a fine fan, just pop, pop, pop point of view, w- w- watching Man City. This thing of the um, dynamic double pivot. I felt that probably, and that's just a question that I'm that I'm making because I don't have like any information on that. But probably like the double pivot was like a way. From Pep, just to protect the, te- the, 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 the team from high-pressing teams like Liverpool, like Real Madrid, like Brighton. Um, because I felt that with Bernardo Silva in there, he could assure that like the build-up, which is so important for Pep, um, could go up like smoothly. Um, and probably he found that, yeah, just putting Bernardo next to Rodri, all the centre-backs are going to find options like in a more easy way uh, and stuff. And I think that's or, or from my point of view, it's what he was looking for with the double pivot. And then 
And um, about the wingers, um, there's been a thing about Pep that um, he likes and he has liked during the whole, all of his career to make the pitch wide with the wingers. He doesn't want to make the pitch wide with uh, wingbacks, uh, although he has played with with with. with Win back with Man City, of course, but his preferred option is just to have like really open uh, wingers, and probably it's going to be kind of different this 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 season because Man City is not going to have like really pure pure wingers in there. Um, but let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. But I think that it's probably one of these change of eras that you were saying that uh, all the styles that Pep is playing with 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 Man City probably we're going to see something different next season. And let's see if having like a fullback like Marco Curella probably can make the pitch wide in in some other kind of sense. And he is probably kind of looking to make the pitch wide with a fullback, something different. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Jim, yeah. do you th- I was going to say on, on that, do you think uh, if, it, if it is to be Curella, does Walker's role change to be a, a, a wide fullback instead of the cover? Yeah, potentially. And I think... Yeah, I think Paul's right. I think, you know, we've used the double pivot where, you know, teams have pressed us and it's it, it's using Bernardo or Gundogan in that build-up. Um, but I do think the sign of Cucurella is, like, key to this. So I think that suggests there might be a change of shape across the team. So if you're playing Cucurella wide and potentially Walker or Cancelo even on the other side, um, and you're playing them almost as, like, overlapping fullbacks, which, yeah, like Pep... I agree, like Pep said in the past, that he, he loves the wingers to play wide. He's like that since he's a teenager and stuff. But like when we, in seventeen eighteen, like when we signed Mendy and Walker, by the October in that season, we'll play him uh, free at the back and we'll, we'll play him wing backs. And then Mendy got injured, and obviously, it's everything went out of the window from there. And we've basically played inverted fullbacks since then, or some sort of form of it. Yeah. But I think we're potentially going to see wider fullbacks. And it makes sense with the wingers that we left with if Sterling and Jesus leave. So Grealish was great at Villa. But if you look at all, quite a lot of his, his actions, it's when he's moving into the half space, when targets overlapping him and he can make something happen in there. He's got options ahead of him. He's got options wide. Whereas as a City, it's often goes out to him. He's, he's on the touchline. He goes at the defender, but there's two defenders. He pulls it back to Cancelo. Cancelo, the, the defenders are happy for Cancelo to put the cross in uh, because they think they can defend that. Now, that may change. It, the, dynamic, the dynamic might change there. So you might say, right, let's keep the wide wingers because if he pulls that ball back to Cancelo, they're not going to want, want Cancelo to, uh, to just lump the ball in because Haaland's in there. Um, but I think it does make sense for our wide options to play overlapping fullbacks. So even... With like Maris and Palmer potentially on the on the right, forward and potentially on the right, um, because it gives if say say we've got our wingers at Foden and Grealish, they'll want to move in, inside and play in that half space. And I know they've not done it often recently, but they've not had the overlapping fullbacks there to do it. Plus, there's been a false nine in that position as well, taking up some of that space. So if Harlan's up against the centre backs, then that area of the pitch opens up you can push your wingers into that area to make stuff happen. And you've got overlapping fullbacks providing the whiff. This is all just like finger-in-the-air stuff, but I think that makes sense from the, the signings and the sales that are potentially going to happen. Would that would that play into Mahrez's hands as well, do you think, Jim? Mahrez is a funny one because we've just basically used him to get one-on-one with his, his fullback wide and find him with a switch which works really well for Maris because he's, he's great in those situations. So I think it would be some some like adaptation for him, but I don't see why it sh- shouldn't work. You know, he, he can come inside, make stuff happen, use his overlapping fullback. But yeah, it, we've not really seen that from him since, since he's been here because we've just not played this way. So it's, it's difficult to say really. Yeah, Sam, um, we mentioned at the end of last season as well about uh, the potential, even though he even though he'd had the final day that he had, uh, the potential of Gundogan moving on. Um does that does that factor into any of uh, of next season? Is that still possibly on the cards? Do you know? Yeah, I think so. Obviously, it's gone quiet. Um, it's on my list for stuff to kind of check out this week. Um, but yeah, that's it's just another one of those year left on the contract. Do you want to go and play more regular football somewhere else? Uh, you know, the element with him. I can't remember if I've said this or not, but 
he was going to stop playing for Germany after the Euros last year. And then he spoke to, was it Hansi Flick, the new manager? And he was, oh, no, 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 you, you're in the plans. You, should, you know, stay playing regularly or whatever. Um, so there's playing regularly. But also, apparently, he wants to uh, have a more defined role. And maybe what we're talking about here, about him moving there, sometimes he's playing deep, sometimes he's playing higher up. That doesn't necessarily help in his view with him playing for Germany. Yeah. And I think he said at the end of the season in an interview, look, obviously, you'd like to play in these games because he didn't play against... Real Madrid either was that either game I can't remember but he didn't he didn't play in at least one of them yeah. I'm, I'm guessing I'm guessing both from the start so he's he's in that situation as well um, you know we've we've said before Paul said before you know the timing of the story that he was going to leave like really pissed off City um, really pissed off Gundogan's people you know because it was like six days before the end of the season but this was the point I was trying to make before we moved into the Bernardo situation because I didn't want to just talk about Bernardo and then and then leave it but the point is in terms of this shakeup. They very rarely feel good, the shakeups, because I'm sure there'd be some. Like I suppose you could ask fans who you you wouldn't mind selling or letting go, and replace them with somebody else, and it all sounds very good. But these shakeups that have happened tend to be kind of brutal. And again, whenever I've talked about this in the past, it's always been that um, reference to the United teams that did it. But they were always getting rid of players that that um, fans loved. And in this in this case, you know, if Zinchenko goes, but Sterling and Jesus, and you know whether we talk about Bernardo or Gundogan, but one of those two, obviously Gundogan, final day heroic, so he's now a City legend because of that. Everyone loves Bernardo. If one of those were to, and I'm not saying they're going to, but if one of those were to as well, it's that profile of player and the kind of oh, I'm not sure about how this leaves us up front in terms of losing the dynamism on the wings. It does start to feel like okay, this is different, but not good different. Like, yeah. I was kind of alluding to it on Twitter yesterday. That's kind of how squad shakeups need to work. Like it's it's not you can't just go. Oh yeah, well I don't really like Mares, so he can go, and then we'll just bring in another winger, and that'd be great. Like sometimes they are they do feel quite clunky, but in terms of like feeling quite clunky, I think the last couple of years City have gone into the season and they didn't get Messi a couple of years ago, and <laughs> gonna, you know, Diaz wasn't the first choice. And I was going to say that the, and, the last few years they've gone into the season. I've been spending it thinking it going well. They they don't look cooked enough for me this oh, season. Fact, then, yeah, then they've that, got to win the title two years. Yeah, already. that in fact that summer as well. I mentioned I, I was like, how how are they not signed a left back? Like, what are they actually doing? Um, when normally, you know, what I'm like, I'm pretty much like, well, you know, when it comes to Guardiola and even when it comes to like Bagheerstein, I'm just like, well, they know what they're doing more than I do, so. Even if it doesn't feel right to me, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna say, okay. Well, they know better than I do, so let's see how it goes. But then I was like, what are they doing? Not signing the left back. And then obviously last year, if if you remember, if you were to find some of the articles at the start of the season, not even like the ones saying, oh, they're definitely a striker, but just the kind of tone. I'm sure my articles, like the tone, would have just been a. Uh, I'm not really sure how this is going to go now. They haven't got Kane. You know, it, this is something that Guardiola really wanted. He didn't get it. How is it going to go? Like. They go into seasons quite regularly when things feel not quite right. Um, and it, it's kind of funny because two weeks ago, going into this season, you just think, well, City are absolutely going to piss it because they were great anyway. And now they've got Haaland. But all of a sudden now it's like, one Marleo going, how's that going to affect Guardiola? Because he was such a big thing for him. Like, oh, Sterling and Jesus going, how's that going to affect the forward line? Because now you need Cole Palmer to actually make a big contribution straight away. You need Grealish. You know, there's more pressure on Grealish to actually step up now. Before we could say, okay, yeah, well, second season will be fine. Now it needs to happen. Um, and then, you, you know, you need Foden's progression and fine. You need Haaland to settle in. You need Alvarez to adapt quickly. If there's going to be six players for the front three options. You're going to need Alvarez to adapt quickly. And all of a sudden, you've got question marks. So it's funny because you've got Haaland coming in in two, three weeks ago, and you're like, oh, they're going to piss it. And now it's suddenly like, oh, how's this going to work? How's this going to work? How's this going to work? But, you know, I guess that is just squad updates for you. Like, yeah. it, it can be quite uncomfortable or clunky or feel it. This episode is supported by season three of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. 
need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Paul, just on um, Alvarez. Um, yep. uh, Guardiola's excited by him, isn't it? They, they, they accept that there's a massive jump up from, from Argentina to the Premier League, but they are excited about him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I know is that, um, and just to quantify that that excitement that you're asking me, um, several Premier League clubs has asked City um, if they would listen to like loan offer for him some, or some kind of offer for him. And City said, no, we are not listening to offers right now. We want to see him on the preseason. We count on him for the next season, but let's see him on the preseason and then we're going to take a decision. So they're happy to just to have him on the squad. Um, they rate him to that level. And I think that he can, or they believe that he can play alongside Haaland. He can add things alongside Haaland. Um, and yeah, I think that I'd say that now the plan is just to keep him. Um, and there's like no, 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 no other idea in mind regarding Julian Alvarez. Um, so let, 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 let's see what's happened. Um, obviously, he played another great game. Um, I think it was a couple of nights ago. Every game, in, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, oh, he's, been, he's been amazing again. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, more exciting stuff coming in, I guess. Yeah, Jim. The, the the question I guess I've got for you as a as a fan of of City as well in all of this, um, are you excited about the changes for next season? Because as much as as much as it might feel like ripping a sticking plaster off and you know bits of it hurt and and, and whatever, um, if there's still excitement and it's still a new look City, but still could still could damage teams in ways we'd never seen before. It's still exciting, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I think. Harlow's most exciting sign I can remember. You know, you're signing a world-class striker, great age. You know, even stuff like around him being like, you know, in the city kits when he was younger and stuff. It's all great, isn't it? And I think having such a big shake-up, if, if, you know, potentially all these rumours come to pass, that is a slight concern in the short term, I think. Not in the medium or long term. I, I just think with the points tallies that City and Liverpool have been posting in the last few seasons, then if we take a little while to get to grips with that. You know, I think you've got to hit the ground running these days. We can't like have a period of time where we're, we're adapting, really. You just don't don't have that uh, option. But yeah, I think with Haaland as well, the way that, you know, the way that we can play to him, I think using him in tandem with De Bruyne, you know, that's perfect for transitions. But I think you have to play quicker into Haaland in that initial phase to, to see if you can get those opportunities. And I don't think, like, when Pep signed Lewandowski, I think he played sort of like wide or withdrawn and they played a false nine. I don't think that'll happen. But I think oh, potentially. Yeah, I mean, the fume, but also, actually, imagine it, like Foden dropping off and creating space and Haaland just like yeah, charging yeah. in from like the right half space and just banging the ball in. That'd be unbelievable. I think you've got to use him as like a box presence in, in when when you've got possession. Like settle possession, but I think in that initial phase of like let's get the ball in quickly into the Bruyne, you, you'd almost you, you could almost use the Bruyne as like a false nine and have Haaland starting from a wide position. It's like in the Euros um, last summer, Belgium used the Bruyne and Lukaku like this. So the Bruyne just basically hovered around the center circle, and Lukaku like was coming in off off the right, and it was basically right. Let's get the ball into the Bruyne. Yeah. Let's get it out to Lukaku. And they caused all sorts of damage in the group games. Um, I think that's potentially a way of using Haaland and not just having him like as your central striker, but as the, as the battering ram at the top. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think you know, and then when we get a settled possession, put him in, put him in the box as that box presence, which creates space elsewhere, and use him like that. Um, I don't think you'll see like what they did with Lewandowski, but you never know. Um, but yeah, it's really exciting. Really, yeah. I, I can't remember a more exciting time. I think you know, losing Sterling and Jesus, it's it's a concern because you know it, we turn to them in, the, in some of the big matches, especially against like Liverpool's high line. But if you've got that threat from Haaland, if you're playing wider wider fullbacks, it's just an adaptation. If you remember that Liverpool game at home, the other, 
the other week. We almost did that with our fullbacks the other week. It was a couple of months back, wasn't it? Um, we almost <laughs> yeah. did that. We almost did that with our fullbacks. Anyway, like they, they were just Walker was just charging down the right hand side and getting in behind Robertson all, all the time. Yeah. So it's you know we've sort of done it in some matches in some of the bigger games. Yeah, it's uh, it's what you were saying after the game, Sam. That City played like Liverpool. Yeah, 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 yeah. They definitely did. That's that's the good thing about Haaland. I kind of wrote an article last week about the kind of players he can he, he can impact. You know, expect to Bruyne to get like twenty assists again and all that kind of stuff. But just as even as an outball, like in those games, because like, Jesus is their best option as an outball, and I use some examples from the Liverpool match in in April in the Premier League as that. But like so many times, just late in the game. And it's because obviously, normally, apart from the last game of the city, City attacked the North Stand in the second half. So it's right down in front of us. And it, so many times I'm like, if you're going to knock the ball down, and Jesus is pretty good at battling for it, but he's not there all the time. But now all of a sudden, if it's just aim it towards Haaland or whatever, even just to, to scrap and fight. And we're in these games when City are more direct and they do battle and they do make runs in behind and whatever. Um, yeah, just so many low-key ways that he's going to make a massive difference. But like yeah. Alvarez as well, not so much as kind of a battering ram, but just to be that false nine that can link up on the halfway line. And the, like you should see the way he like darts into space if it becomes available. Yeah. He's so he's so aggressive. He looks so a aggressive as well, doesn't he? Yeah, 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 exactly. And like the precedent, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I've said before in an article, I think stylistically he's, he's more suited to City than Haaland is in terms of being a false nine. But obviously, that leap from Argentina, we'll see how it goes. And, and Haaland's a better player. But stylistically, he is he is absolutely perfect for City. And it goes back to what we were saying about them being really excited. And yeah, since I think since since they signed him, you know, Guardiola has maybe had more of a chance to to see him and realize what he's about. And I think he's you know, he's now at that stage where he's like, right, okay, can't wait to to see this kid. I suppose the other thing as well is he's he's not going to have much of a summer, is he? Because when's he coming? Start of July. Yeah. After the after the quarterfinals of the Libertadores, and then he'll be straight into preseason. So there'll be an element of him being absolutely knackered as well. But um, he, he, he is very exciting. Yeah, Paul. I don't want to go all stereotypical English football on you here, but um, <laughs> th- th- there is an element that sometimes. I mean, we, me and Sam talked about it in it, not so much last season, but but uh, in in seasons gone by, where if things aren't going City's way and they they hit the point where they start putting crosses into the box, you kind of go, well, this is this just isn't going to work. Um, but now, if they've like as Jim says, if they've got that that presence of Haaland in there, not only have they got the options of more space around the edge of the box that 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 the other creators players can work with um they have got somebody in the box who can get there first and who can win the ball in the air and who can actually do something when they put it in there yeah yeah and i think that it's kind of one of the big reasons to sign a number nine when pep was saying that he felt that this club needed the number nine uh, of course was for having striker but then those kind of games were probably teams are just sitting down because we were uh talking now about the or at the beginning of, of the podcast about the, like the double pivot with the double number six and stuff. But that kind of was more used when teams were brushing high. But City is probably going to uh, play against more teams that are not going to press high, that are just going to sit down, wait on their box, and just wait for City's positional game not to hurt them too much. Um, and in that kind of a scenario, I think that... Uh, a man as a presence like Haaland is just ideal in there, just being a poacher, just waiting for a ball to fall into the box, um, putting the foot in there. Um, I think that we saw, and we commented it last week on the on the podcast, that goal that he scored with with Norway against Sweden, um, being just just yeah, just a man as in the box, just reading where the cross was going in, and in a short space, just running faster than the defender and heading it into the net. I think that it's something that we have to expect from Haaland, something that Haaland knows that is going to happen. I think that it has happened in the Bundesliga for him uh, uh, as well. And, th- and something that he, he has some margin to improve and to get better, which is somehow exciting for him uh, as well and something that he was looking for when he was joining City. Yeah. Um, Jim, the the other angle to this, though, I guess, is um, City have been so good with that false nine setup. Um, it brings benefits to, to the way that City play that maybe it doesn't bring to, to other teams that would try it. Um, if you if you take that out and you put City back into a, you know, a more traditional setup, does that cause problems? Yeah, it, it potentially, like, 
the the advantages that it's given us, you could definitely lose. So quite often in in city matches, you get the two opponents, like the two centre backs there for the opponents, are just left redundant. So they're not marking anybody and almost taken out of the game. So your numbers elsewhere, you you start to gain advantages, and there's just a bit, of, and it it just creates that advantage that false nines dropping. So that five across the front are given a bit more space because the centre halves don't want don't want to stop with them, uh, don't want to drop with them. So I think there's definitely that aspect of it. I think if we change if we move to overlapping fullbacks as well, which potentially could happen, then you lose. Walker's ability to get back on those counters, so you're potentially leaving your two centre backs isolated, which we saw in previous seasons can be a bit, bit of a disaster until it was fixed, like at the beginning of, and was it 2021 after that Spurs game? Um, basically, at that time, Rodri was being overrun and your centre backs were being exposed, and we, we shifted it back so that Walker could be basically amongst the back line, and it, it pretty much sorted out all our issues. but I think this with the Alvarez signing as well. That's really interesting because it is there a situation where we end up going to two up front and like potentially even going to a three-five-two? And I think what that <laughs> what that offers is like you can put more creative players in midfield. So you could put a forward and a Grealish in, in midfield with De Bruyne and just have like a one pivot because you got three at the back. Sorry, I was um, just laughing, Jim, because we've had two years of no strikers, and the idea that City could yeah. go back to two up top is just like it's it's something from the Joe Royal days. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it sounds crazy. Alvarez played off the striker the other night as well, like yeah. a kind of a withdrawn role. Yeah, That's interesting. It's, it's too many players to fit in there, isn't it? Uh, I think with Folder and Grealish, though, like there's a bigger question of do they end up centrally, and I think the answer to that is probably yes at some point, but. Like I'm not sure how it works now with the players we've still got there. If if someone like Bernardo leaves or Gundogan leaves, I think that that opens up a bit of space in there. But obviously, we lo- it looks like we're losing our wing options, so the numbers probably don't add up for it at the moment. But I think putting someone like Foden in there, you know, he, he's got the potential to run games. He's got he can you know his passing range is great. Uh, but I think Grealish could possibly benefit more from it just because of the way we use him on the wing, and I think. His best attribute is like getting the ball, receiving it, turning, running at players, and having options. And because he's played so wide in those in that wing position, unless we change the way we shape up and we, we do have an overlapping fullback, I think it takes that out of his game a lot. And potentially, in playing centrally, could be like the biggest benefit. Yeah, Jim. the the other The other aspect of this as well, I guess that. Um, Maybe differentiates it the, the the upcoming season, even if it's a season of transition, that it would check, would keep it different from uh, the nineteen twenty season. Is well, two things really. Uh, Rodri's a lot more settled and he's a lot more prepared for the job that he's doing in the centre, um, and also the centre backs aren't Fernandinho and Otamendi. So uh... <laughs> Rodri's amazing, isn't he? It's like like he's he's still he's he's slow in it. Let's face it, but the the way he plays, he must be like the most intelligent footballer in the division because like. That's that way he's one possession back more than any player in the league. And he's just always there, isn't he? Like it's incredible, really. I just think of that Yaya Toure article on the Athletic Sam where he, he's talking about using your arse well. Um and I just just like Rod, <laughs> oh, yeah. Rodri Rodri doesn't just use his like he uses his shoulders down for like for everything that he needs to do. Yeah, he's he's effectively like Guardiola, isn't he? Um yeah. and Busquets is just another one in that in that mould. Um yeah. We had to do like the player of the season article, and I, I I put it for him. You know, I think consistently he was there, and yeah, everything just in terms of the shoulders and the movement, like the amount of times when he's he's getting the ball in a tight area and you think he's being closed in on all sides, but it turns out there's another side that nobody's thought yeah. of, and he just he just he just moves his body and goes and goes that way, and all of a sudden he can just ping it over to the other side of the pitch and sit you attacking again. Yeah, he's he's so he's so important for them. Yeah. And uh, just to, to kind of wrap it up, Jim, um, what's what's your gut telling you about uh, Foden and Grealish for next season? Because uh, you talked, you know, about them potentially being on, uh, being wide. You talked about them potentially being in the middle. Will we see a bit of both? Do you think, or is he more likely to stick to what he knows and, and have them wide for the time being? I think they'll probably stay wide for the time being because of the other departures. If Sterling and Jesus go, then you know someone's got a player there. We're only left with Maras and Palmer, really. Um, but. Yeah, I think that wide role could change if you're getting Cucurella flying down the left and Walker or Cancelo flying down the right. 
and their role actually becomes more of a creative role in central areas in the house spaces and i think that could be beneficial for both of them uh, and just on uh palmer paul um I, I, I'm interested to, to kind of get a read for how much he, he might be involved next season because, you know, he's only played a little bit for, for the for the City first team. It does seem a bit odd for them to... It, it seems a bit out of character for them to go, right, he'll he'll be the one that replaces, you know, the wide presence. Yeah, yeah. Of course, I mean, he's not going to be a, a starter, but, but City... A lot of City sources in the first team were like sad because Palmer didn't have the chance last season to make a step forward because of injuries. Because when he was ready to make a step forward in terms of like um, getting minutes in the Premier League in some games that he could have played, um, he was injured. He had some injury that didn't allow, allow him to train like at 100% for one week uh, straight. Um, so now that he's expected the to be fully recovered, one of the things that they have in mind is just to make room for him. Make room for him because in training ground, he has proved that he's a guy that they, that they can rely on. He's fearless. He loves to take on players. He doesn't care about if the player that is just in front of him is Ruben Diaz or is looking better. He just doesn't care. Um, and I think that the position where they see him as of now is the right wing. It's a bit like Foden because they could probably play like in central positions, but as they are young, they are lively, they like to press, they like to run. So they want to take advantage of that, putting them up front, because of course they want like dynamic forwards. And I think that for, for what they got, that they saw Palmer in there. Um, so that's the plan that they have. Uh, don't expect him to be a starter. I mean, it wouldn't be good for him. But um, they have to make room for Palmer. They want to do it. And it's something that is going to happen uh, from my point of view. So, and it's quite exciting because probably him and him and Makati are surely the best talents that uh, City has on the academy right now. Yeah, Sam, I want to finish with. Uh, did you see Palmer's Instagram story a few weeks ago where he was? Uh, he basically posted a, a thing that says, "Any goalkeepers in Manchester?" Um, yeah. He, uh, yeah. he, le- <laughs> he left. He left me on red. <laughs> did you actually message him yeah I messaged him said yeah I'm a keeper in Manchester so if, you, if you want to fire, fire some shots at someone I'm around <laughs> amazing yeah like he he's another one of these guys that just loves playing like plays all the time like last year didn't they kind of have loads of problems with Covid last year and everyone was being like really careful and there was just like there was like snapchats of him floating around literally just playing like a midweek 11 aside friendly for like some amateur team or whatever like he just plays all the time um but and yeah he's obviously got that authentic local blend of yeah asking for goalkeepers in manny as well which i <laughs> which i know manchester people don't actually like i've, the, I've the, never heard anyone call it manchester that is from uh, call it manny that is from manchester yeah exactly well i mean does withenshaw count that's that's, the, that's it, the question. Yeah, yeah, it definitely does, unfortunately. So uh, it's it's <laughs> seeping into the younger generation's language, and I don't like it. Yeah, so when my yeah. son was born, he's going to be he's going to be growing up saying it. it's going to be a right little dick. Yeah. I think it's important he gets he gets the minutes this season though, because I think like Cal Dune's on at the end of the season every year saying, "Yeah, we want three or four academy lads in," and basically you've got Foden who you know he couldn't ignore. I think Palmer is of a standard now where you've got to push him into the first team if, if, we're, yeah. if we're realistically going to start seeing these youngsters coming through. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right, well, that brings us to the end of uh, this week's Why Always Us. So thank you very much to Sam Lee. Yeah, cheers, guys. That was good. Nice little round table. And to Paul Bias. Cheers, Paul. Cheers, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. And to our special guest, Jim. Jim, where can people find you? Yeah, I'm on Twitter. I'm uh, at City underscore tactics. Lovely stuff. Uh, don't forget, you can sign up to The Athletic right now for £1 a month for six months. Just use the code MANCITYPOD. The Athletic.